What's up, motherfuckers? Welcome to this week's episode of Life As You Know It podcast, starring myself, Patrick Solomon, and my trusty co-host, Jacob Ham. This week's guest is Jacob Irvine. We got in some pretty intense stories, listen, uh, from a man's struggles in the past and how to overcome adversity. Some great motivation this week. Tune in to listen. Are you ready? Yeah, dude, we're live as hey, a motherfucker. It's what? nice to be back. <laughs> Yo, every fucking time we go into this, I start talking and you just cut me off right in the beginning. I'm anxious, dude. I'm excited. Go ahead, talk. We're live. That's all I wanted to say. Came out. <laughs> <laughs> and we got our good friend, Jacob Irvine, all the way from Kansas, somewhere in Kansas. Missouri-ish. Missouri-ish. Missouri. Um, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, it's good Welcome. to be here. Yeah, Welcome. I'm glad you guys uh, had me out this weekend. Last night was pretty fun. I've been really excited for this. Yeah, threw a couple back. Without you, Patrick, thanks for not coming. You're welcome. Okay. Um, right, there's time for change, bro. Still uh, here. I'll throw twice as many back tonight for you. Get, I don't know if I will, though. That's all right. Anyways, dude, I have had a pretty roller coaster of a week, and I've had ups and downs, and I'm really trying to get a grasp on being happy and shit and satisfied and content with hard work, but I'm starting to realize that I don't know how much control or how much control actually I do have over my own happiness how much control that's what I'm trying to go with here how much control do you feel that you have over your own happiness hmm hmm well I guess my first thought comes to my head is I would have a lot of control over my own happiness but then when I actually think about it there's times when I think I have this strong mentality and then all of a sudden you just wake up one day and you're like fuck my life right so it's absolute. It's yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, coming here. I told Jake a little bit about where I was from. Like five years ago, I was homeless, and nothing. I hitchhiked across the country, and just the whole time. Like I'm not gonna lie, at the beginning of that, it was very rock bottom. That was I'd never known a bottom like that before. But mm-hmm. you know, as I started to actually get along or get down <coughs> the road and figure things out, the more it happened. It was just about the positive outlook and. I mean, even here recently, we got on the Grant Cardone train yeah. been listening to a lot of that. And I mean, it's just a flick to switch. And I, I believe like nothing really paramount has changed with my situation, but my outlook on everything is, yeah. you know, completely well, and, and that's That's part of the reason why, you know, I'm happy to have you onto the podcast, because I think you can bring a certain perspective, you know, based off what you've gone through. I know we, do, we don't need to go through the whole entire story of how things went down. We'd be here for days. Yeah, we, we could. Dude, I definitely want to know. But let me finish what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm saying is like you have a perspective on life because you've been broken down to the point where on average people don't normally experience what you've experienced, right? So like you can use the Marine Corps example. You know, we've all went through boot camp where they break you down and now we have that bond and now we have that certain perspective where we know what it's like to go through those kind of things. Now, you said you hitchhiked for five years. I mean, no, 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 no. Or five years ago. Five years ago. Yeah. Okay, I was like, five years ago. <laughs> That's you were, you, That's you were hitchhiking five years ago. That's a certain perspective that low, 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 low percent of people would go through. And I can imagine that in um, would also have like an emotional roller coaster along with. So I guess... 
you know, one of my first questions would be with our generation, even though you're a little bit older than me, we're still within the same generation. How do you feel about um, our generation right now as, as far as like, because I, I mean, I feel like we're pretty, our generation is pretty uh, soft. It's disgusting. You know, pussified. Yeah. So like, what are your thoughts when you see that? And then, you know, with your perspective on what you've been through? Same. I mean, shit happens. Bob Dylan, the uh, talking World War Three blues, the very end of it, he's like, you know, all the people can't be all right all the time. You know, some of the people can be part right all the time. Most of the people can be all right part of the time, but all the people can't be all right all the time. And I think that's something that we've lost touch with now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going back to all the participation trophies, this, or I'm offended because of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody expects for every facet of their life to be the way they see it should be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God forbid somebody stand in the way of that and they go yeah. off the handle. Which is sad. I mean, it's, it's something that people don't want to talk about that there's always going to be a loser. Someone has to be a loser. Uh-huh. And to think that, to imagine that you can live in a world where everybody's a winner is just unrealistic. It would be, it's a great goal, but I think it really does take away from being a winner I think everybody can be a winner if you're willing to take, but the, yeah, to, like to to take it on, to, to embrace it. Aspects, yeah. Yeah. Um, you may not be a winner at that very second in time, but I guess that's what sets people apart, right? Is the ones that are willing to um, go up the hill or fucking walk down in the valley. Mm-hmm. It's uh, again, unlocking that potential, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, Dude, what happened, man? I didn't even know you were homeless. I think he mentioned <laughs> this to me. And I'm not like just... I'm like I'm fascinated because being here, being in DC, I've seen like homeless people before. Yeah. And I know there's different types of homeless people, but in here in Phoenix, what's different? What I notice is a very big variety. It's not just uh, black people or white people or old people. There's a lot of young people sure. out here that it blows my mind because there's so much work in the valley. Yeah. That it's like the amount of time you spend on the corner, you can go push carts somewhere. They pay you minimum wage. You're going to still be doing something. But that little bit is just kind of what we talked about where it's like, okay, I'm just going to keep walking downhill because it's easier this way. Or I could just dig my feet in the dirt and start going up. Yep. So I, I kind of asked you a question. And I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know which direction yeah, to go yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah, but. sorry. I just kind of. Well, do you mind if we like? Yeah, I don't want to like push into like topics you don't want to talk about. But do you mind it kind of explain just because it's hard for me to understand how becoming homeless happens. And I know we were all in the military at one point, so obviously you know the transition. And we talked about this in the last podcast that the the transition out of the Marines is not an easy thing to do. And I know a lot of people struggle with it. I mean, obviously we have twenty two people killing themselves every fucking day because of it. so, so I'll, for me personally, I, and I don't want to repeat myself in the last podcast, but I know I went to a pretty dark place. Again, I probably, everybody knows I have this dark place now. <laughs> yeah, I think we all have I'm an open book yeah. now. Yeah, we, all, we all have a dark yeah. place. So like, I went to this dark place that in, in my vice, my resort to was alcohol. So right when I got out, it was like six months of just boozing six days a week and just getting blacked out going to bed at six in the morning and waking up at 3 p.m every day that's what i did and then at one point i was laying in my bed and i was like okay i need to fix my life otherwise 
shit's gonna get bad real quick because once I looked at my checking account and I saw that I had negative three dollars, I was like, okay, now I gotta ask my fucking friends to help me pay rent. And I, you know, I made a promise to myself at a young age that I would never live that lifestyle where money's my issue. And I found myself there living that lifestyle paycheck to paycheck. And it fucking mentally fucked me up. So, but I'm glad I had that realization because I don't know what would have happened if I would have kept going down that path of just alcohol, you know? Sure. Um, For me, it was a little different. I mean, I, I don't really put any of this on, you know, me, my separation from the military as a part of the downward spiral. I mean, it was definitely a, a step, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I don't blame it on that. It was several different circumstances and a lot of it was on me and I think that's the biggest point is actually owning up like yeah I wasn't all bad but I definitely made some mm-hmm. questionable decisions with it I mean uh, pretty much since getting out of the military I moved back to Georgia uh, ex-wife followed me home we had been split up and like I said I'm gonna get through this part as quick as possible yeah. your question was just how did it happen well um, I had bounced around from a couple of different uh, positions I was working on police helicopters there for a while about a year uh, went from that. Um, that company let me go. I went to work for a hardware store, and then I was working as a concrete polisher, and then I got another job in aviation. Uh, Hammerhead Aeronautical is the worst job I ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> the guy almost got me killed at, at five different times. I mean, not like, oh, that was close. Like, holy shit, how am I still alive right now? Mm-hmm. Um, more stories for more times, but uh, so in that time between the helicopter company and working on fixed wing, well, you're married. I was divorced. I was divorced she, before I got out of the And she followed you? Yeah, she came back to Georgia uh, just to, you know, we could all be together. She's still trying to get back. We may or may not have been trying to iron things out at the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Michael is and always has been, always will be number one. That's my son. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. He's eight years old now. So, you know, he was the main objective there, but she came back. And, I mean, throughout the course of, like I said, the helicopter company to the airplane company, uh, she ended up getting hitched up with my best friend, Cole. Oh, and uh, so it sounds weird at first and like a lot of people have the same reaction at the end of the day we're all super close now mm-hmm. I mean I, I jokingly call them that's my husband-in-law wait sorry and they together they're together they're married they've had two kids oh, uh, shit. <laughs> life's grand no they're working their asses off they're still up in the northwest mm-hmm. um, I mean they've moved back and forth but long story short they got together they moved up to the Pacific Northwest out, out on the peninsula of Washington a town called Port Angeles Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd gone up there to see my son. His birthday's December, so I took that stint off to be there for his birthday and Christmas. I was going to come home on the 27th, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy I was working for at the time failed to put a check for payroll into my account. Missed my flight home. I couldn't get to the airport. And, you know, this was complicated, again, by a bad decision on my part. Earlier in 2011, I had a, a reckless driving charge that stemmed from an alleged DUI. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was on probation for that at the time. I missed that flight, I missed that first probation meeting, now I have warrants. Mm -hmm. Um, So things just went from bad to worse. Nobody would hire me up there uh, because the warrants, as soon as that background check came back, hey, sorry man, we can't have you here. Pretty much you had a wall stacked against you. Stuck there, yeah. No money, no money to get out of there, no money to do anything different. I ended up on a futon in their laundry room for uh, about three months. It got to March 27th of 2012 at 8.30 a.m. It was like the worst day of my life. Huh. Um, all the shit finally came to a head. I mean, it was ten- It was tense. You know, yeah. you think, uh, okay, I'm married to this woman, but her ex-husband and the father of her firstborn is living under my roof. And yeah, sure, he's trying to find work, but what's he really doing to help out? Yeah. You know, so I mean, I was that guy. And, you know, I understand it at this point. Like back then, it was, you know, it was kind of a clash. 
Yeah, but I imagine it'd be a big old fucking clusterfuck. It was. It was huge. And they finally, you know, the powder keg had ignited. And, you know, Cole and I went, you know, physical. And he kind of, we got up from the floor and he's like, you got to get your shit. You got to get out of my house. You got two hours to get your shit. I was going on the street. And here I am in this town, Port Angeles, Washington. I don't know anybody. I mean, I'd made a couple of acquaintances in the time that I was up there. But, you know, I wasn't really focused on making friends and hanging out with a bunch of people. So... I didn't really have shit, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have any money. I, I had an iPhone, but I didn't have the service. Um, so it was just active on Wi-Fi or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the, uh, I started walking because yeah. the closest family was Southern California. And uh, three days later, hitched a couple rides. I got on the Greyhound at one Wait. point. So, oh, I see. Yeah, that's what I want. Yeah, can we stop for a second? That was a lot of good information you just put out there. Yeah, I can try to wrap my mind around yeah, the yeah, situation yeah. so I can... We gotta, we gotta make it good for because I'm sure anybody that's listening to this right now is probably like, okay, like, like they're, they're, they're they got, you've got their attention for sure. So I mean, good. I mean, I've been in some dramatic situations with my friends, and I've had drama go in my life, just like everybody has. And I'm trying to relate to what you're saying because when I first think about it, I'm like, holy shit, that would be what would go, what would be my thought process on it all. So I guess. <laughs> The moment, um, Colton, right? Cole, yeah. Yeah, Cole. If the moment he kicked you out, you know, what was the first thing that went through your head? Well, shit. I've, that's like, it. I mean, it, really, I thought I was done at that point. You know, yeah. I had nothing. I was thousands of miles away from anybody that I knew. Um, I knew I wasn't going to stay there because it's cold as shit. And I'm from yeah. the southeast. I don't like cold weather. So, I mean, I was going to start walking, and I had, like I said, no idea where I was going to end up, no idea how I was going to get there. I'd never hitchhiked before. I mean, that's, I like, what, that's, what, that's what I really kind of want to know about. Um, more so because I listened to another podcast during a week about um, people, this, this murderer that did hitchhikes and stuff. But it yeah. really got me to the idea of thinking about hitchhiking, and people used to do that all the, all time. the time. Like, that's how people got places. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a, I mean, do you have any – do you have any – you just stuck your thumb up and just let it kind of just happen, and somebody. I mean, yeah. he had been scared, but I guess maybe at the same time, maybe yeah, you didn't just have like, a choice. It. I just fuck it, you know. Yeah. I mean, well, what would you tell yeah, somebody was... once they picked you up? Would you just say, "Like, where, where, where are you going?" Just trying to get the south, hell out of here, yeah, south or warmer. east, or just somewhere else. Like, okay, so can you can you walk us kind of through this next this <laughs> next portion? Where did you, where'd you wind up? What you so left imagine Washington? you had some crazy experience. Yeah. Things things got pretty crazy after okay. that. You know, I started walking, and I mean, so side note here. Uh, first and foremost, um, Cole and Jess, you know, my ex-wife and my husband-in-law, they're great people. I didn't want you know you guys or any of the viewers to have this kind of predisposition. Uh-huh. No, yeah. they're awesome. You know, I can imagine I love those that guys situation. Is so a stressful it, it situation. got ugly, and you know, for the brevity's sake, I'm going to skip a lot of details. But you no, know, it fine. was nasty. But they're good people, and mm-hmm. I, I love them dearly now. Uh-huh. But the um, yeah, so moving forward from that, um, you know, it's walking out of Port Angeles. Uh, made a stop in the McDonald's, got on their Wi-Fi, made a post on Facebook, and turned to. Uh, walked about 20 miles that first day in between um, getting picked up. I got picked out like right outside of Port Angeles and t- uh, over to a town called Swim. Mm-hmm. And it was some old guy, he was a World War II vet. And you know, he took me to lunch and he's telling me, like we ate Burger King and then he took me over to Home Depot with him because he had to pick up a drill. I can't remember his name, but he's telling me about, you know, being in Germany when the shit was going on. Like, I mean, he was in, like, mm, yeah. or not Germany, England, I'm sorry. Um, but he, he went, like, AWOL one night to go hang out with his lady. He got a lot of trouble for it. But he's telling me those stories. And, you know, so he dropped me off back on the highway that I was on. I started walking again. I get a ride from a Vietnam vet. You know, he was in the Navy. And uh, he was heading over to, you know, somewhere 
off the peninsula across the channel. I can't even remember the name of the town. Uh, but yeah, long story short, went from that, got across, rode a ferry across with that guy, uh, got off and started walking down. I'd made it to Interstate 5 by then. And I mean, if you guys know, it goes from, you know, pretty much up around the Seattle area all the way down through San Diego. Okay. And um, yeah, so that's that was where I needed to be. That was, you know, that's the artery that's going to take me to, you know, whoever's close. So I started walking and I'm on the side of the, you know, freeway. Mm. Um, and a cop had pulled over. He's like, hey, man, you can't be walking here, this, that, and the other. And I didn't know it at this point, but the Facebook post that I'd put out when I was leaving Port Angeles stirred a lot of shit. Oh, yeah? You know, people thought it was like, oh, he's going to hurt himself. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. Yeah. Well, what, um, well what, was the, what was the post? Was the post like, oh, am I, like, like I'm fucked? Or was it yeah. like, was you, were, you, were you trying to reach out for people for help, you think? No, or you just, just wanted to let them know, like I'm, yeah. I'm fucking off for a little bit. Like yeah. I'm just gonna disappear. I'll let y'all know when I'm, you know. Okay. And so, um, but yeah, so people freaked out about it, mm-hmm. and like there was missing persons reports put out by then, and like this cop puts me in his car, didn't even look at anything, and he drove me down to the next bus stop. Uh, you know, I had a couple bucks in my pocket at this point. The guy, that, the first guy that picked me up, he gave me a twenty when he let me out of the car. So, um, I had twenty bucks, about a ten dollar pack of cigarettes. Um, went and got on the bus and like I just had a couple ones or whatever from the change and you know rode the bus pretty much from there south into Seattle and then from Seattle into SeaTac and I got off the bus there uh, not SeaTac but Tacoma um, it was right at like a big train station and there's a Greyhound station right there and the city transit lets off right there and there's a little bar down the street um, it's crazy to think that like I've never picked up a hitchhiker, and I've seen hitchhikers, right? I, I do now up. just because of what I've, yeah. how I've done it. But it's, but it's it's crazy to think that you know there are people out there that will pick you up, help you out, give you cash. Well, I think it's opening up a light, man, for huh? sure. Yeah. Because now I'm like, okay, if I see somebody else, see somebody hitchhiking now, how do you know it's not somebody that like, like it seems like your situation, like most people, I think, see somebody walking on the side of the road, they're like, oh, that person's a fuck up or whatever the case may be. He's a druggie. He's a druggie. But sometimes, like people just have unfortunate circumstances, and they get stuck. Yeah, got a shit hand. And you know what sucks about that is that I feel like most people want to help people in need, but there's other people that will make an effort that they just they just wage on people's handouts, and it takes away from people that actually are sure. desperately you know need in need help. of help. Yeah. So so yeah. God bless the people that helped you for sure, man. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I remember them all. I'm terrible with names, but I could tell these stories in more detail. Mm-hmm. And here again, for brevity's sake, I don't want to go on and on about this. I don't want this to be the entire episode. No. I mean, I told Jay coming out, you know, when, he, when you first reached out to me and told me you were doing the show, I got really excited about it. I was like, yeah, I'll go on there. Yeah. We'll talk. You know, I'll get, you know, a little bit of my story out there. You know, no big deal. But I actually started listening to you guys, you know, every week I'm on there. I've listened to them all. Mm-hmm. I love them. I love what you guys do. And I mean, I told you when I got here is like, I don't even so much want to make this about my story so much as I just want to participate with what you guys do yeah. here. So, I mean, we could kind of close the book. I mean, unless you guys have more hitchhiking questions. I am working on a book right now. I mean, that's I use that loosely because I've been working on it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but the hitchhiking, that's just a chapter. You know, that's, um, I've, been, I've seen and done a lot of cool things, especially like in between being homeless and then getting on my feet and the roofing world that I did mm-hmm. before I came into hospitality uh, and just all those random days in between. Mm-hmm. But, the, um, but yeah, I am working on that. Well, well so. I guess... You know, if we don't want to to another chapter, but that kind of relates to the whole situation. Uh, something that makes makes me upset, especially especially when I see it in myself, 
but when I see it in other people too, it still it kind of irks me in a way is that when I see wasted potential and people that are just looking for um, sympathy in their in their situation, you know, tying this to your situation, you were faced with a bad draw, right? You got some fucking bad cards lined up against you that you know you didn't. You got a fucking three and a seven. You wanted to fold, but guess what? You can't fold in fucking real life. You got to fucking make do with a three and a seven. So. But pe- there's a lot of people out there that don't get a three seven. They might get you know a pretty good deck, a hand, a good hand. But they're gonna bitch and moan because they don't have two aces, right? They don't sure. have pocket aces. And that's one of the things that drives me up the wall is that when I see or hear or watch and people that fa- fucking Facebook is, <laughs> I love it and I hate social media because it's a great tool that you to like learn and see what everybody's doing and connect with everybody. At the same time. Everybody has an opinion, and everybody wants to share their opinion. It's, and got, and so you see a lot of bullshit opinions, um, which I try to keep an open mind about. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, I think stop opinion, fucking bitching. Dude, I think people's opinions have really been this way always. I think it's just yeah. more notable now. Yeah, I think that's is. all really what it comes it down is, to. It is. It's, it's just people you're hearing other people's opinions more than you ever have before mm-hmm. in our entire mm-hmm. lives, or history has allowed it. Yeah. Um, because. In retrospect, if you had somebody um, that did this in real life, in person, before all the technology, you would just not surround yourself around that person, mm-hmm. you know? But the thing is, it changes you, you know? If you never saw the opinions of, like, the whole entire U.S. as a whole, because, like, right now, you can go on, on Facebook, and you can kind of feel what the nation is kind of feeling right now, you know? Whether we're talking about the NFL fucking games, or Charlottesville, or whatever the shit's going down, everybody's voicing their opinion at one point, but say... You know, go 50 years ago and you're um, a wealthy white person in a nice suburban neighborhood and you don't know what the fuck's going on. Right down across the street. The, yeah, you don't know what's going on in the ghetto. It's, it's all about exposure too. Yeah. And I mean, you look about controversy just on the grand scheme of things. I mean, take wars and, you know, conflicts, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, what was the first major controversy and conflict is Vietnam. Mm-hmm. That was also the first, you know, conflict that was televised. We had more cameras over there you know, covering everything, and it was being sent right back, and it was being put on the feet. Yeah. Um, you think World War Two? you know, anything that happened before that, like, yeah, there were, there was, there's films from World War Two. There's, there's stuff that they captured, but it wasn't as frequent. It wasn't as much, yeah. you know, so people are still dying. It doesn't matter what fucking war it is, but it's the fact that it's all so much more televised now. That's why it became yeah. controversial, because we got to see more of it. And same thing with everything that's going on now. All these people's views and opinions, just like you said, we're yeah. seeing more of it. Everybody is out there. Yeah. And that's... Which, and, and then you start seeing, like to what you said, it's always, it's always kind of been like this to a degree, but the exposure is different. So maybe if we had the same technology as we did as... Uh, as far as imagine, media goes, there was Facebook War, in the fifties. Yeah, like say say you had all <laughs> we all social media, and like, <laughs> World War Two and World War One. You know, it would be a lot different. The people would, would react a lot different. And then the media, I think, is more. I think in the fifties, before the fifties, the media was definitely more controlled by the government. Probably, maybe, maybe not. Dude, sounds smart, man. Sounds smart. I don't have any proof yeah. behind this. What I was saying is I like, wasn't around back then. I'll be your reference, Patrick yeah. Solomon. <laughs> Pat told me. <laughs> what I say is like, like Vietnam. Everybody saw what the fuck was going on, and it was pretty clear. But in World War Two, how many people knew what was like? They going were heroes. On? Like, yeah. did people know when Bastogne was going on? Like, dude, did, did, 
Think about that. People came back from World War II, back to America, and they were fucking heroes. Yep. People came back from Vietnam, and they were fucking Spit baby killers. Spit on. Exposure, man. But you know, you but you know, fucked up shit happened in World War II. Oh, absolutely. You know oh, that for happened. Sure, dude. I would say more. I mean, you can't really put a scale like I mean a war like oh this was more fucked up than next. Especially those three wars back to back: World War Two, the Korean War, and Vietnam. Like, take your pick. Like, mm-hmm. nothing. What's crazy is the Korean War, dude. It's like fucking no, cold, no one, man. No one fucking talks about the Korean. The Frozen War. Chosen, bro. Yeah. There's like, fucking. There's not a lot of movies on it. There's, all you got about frozen. the Korean War is fucking uh, Mash. And that's <laughs> it's not a good it's representation. That's because Korean War uh, 2.0 hasn't happened yet. Well, technically, <laughs> yeah, technically, I guess we're still in war, right? Yeah, we're, just we're working on it. Yeah, what do you think is gonna go down? What do you think would happen if they like stuck their, you know, if they really tried some shit? I don't what think they will. I just don't, I don't think they will either. I don't think they will either. I think it's all bluff. All yeah. bluff enough, dude. They've been saying this it. shit for like, but dude, forever. this is the fucked up thing is. Like the, what we were just talking about, the exposure. They could just be saying all this shit and just making it seem a lot more radical than it actually is. Look over here. Yeah, look over get, here. You know. Watch out, watch out. We need your attention. We need your attention. Just like, did anybody else find it really weird that fucking, like, four big-ass fucking storms and earthquakes and all this shit happened within, like, a two-week span of each other? I don't know. I was just looking at it. I'm like, okay, where are all these big-ass fucking storms coming from? <laughs> Are you about to go down into a conspiracy? No, dude. I just <laughs> talking about chemtrails and shit. <laughs> no, dude. I just uh, I don't know. I feel like what, something's coming and some weird shit's going on, and everybody's attention is being averted to something else, mine included. I don't know. Can the I just come out and say chemtrails are bullshit? I I, yeah, I, don't I really they believe they are. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think and all these people too. that support it, they have no idea how a jet engine actually works. Yeah, it's bullshit. So you think? Yeah, you know what chemtrails so. are. No, so I, people, I don't. I don't, so think, I don't think. Yeah, the people that the people that can manipulate the weather. Yeah, so they. Yeah, no, I'm not talking that about stuff, that. I know, but people, the, the white stuff that comes out of the plane when you see it driving. The <laughs> oh yeah, that. It so people call that a chemtrail, and they think that's the government putting chemicals in the air to change the weather. No, I don't. I, that's not what I'm saying. I think higher than that. Like I'm very spiritual and shit, and like a lot of fucked up shit was happening, and it was like everything got quiet for this week or two when all these natural disasters were happening. And it was almost like kind of peaceful, as fucked up as that is to say in a way, because they were talking about something that actually fucking mattered. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And but then, I mean, and then at, those storms ended, and then fucking the next week, it's all about people taking. Well, dude, it's the media's the job to make that. you be scared. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. They 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 make everything they. More drastic. They want you to worry because they want views. It's all about just getting ratings, you know. And whatever can get the highest ratings, whether it's fucking Trump or goddamn Hurricane Harvey. That's what they're going to roll with. Um, I wanted to say something about fucking Korea. <laughs> the fucked up part, the real fucked up part about Korea is that there's all these memes and jokes about Kim Jong-un <laughs> and stuff. But Kim Jong-un is a fucking psychopath. That motherfucker yeah. killed his brother, His brother assassinated that bitch because he had a, there was a risk of him uh, overthrowing. overthrowing him. And there's millions and millions of people and fucking goddamn dude, you got a hole in your lip. <laughs> <laughs> That's your laugh right there, dude. <clears throat> <laughs> but I'm trying to get all sentimental with the Koreans right now because I got some blood there, man. Cabbage um, patch. Millions of people. Goddamn, you got me thrown off, dude. You know, talking about like Holocaust of Korea. And dude, shit. psychopath, dude. I get it. Yeah. Let them know. But like, okay, so what I'm saying is, people make jokes. About that, and I have too. I've made jokes about Kim Jong Un too, but at the same time, I know the seriousness behind it. That 
those people, if you're worried, like, we can worry about the refugees in Syria and all that shit too, but these people in Korea have miserable lives. Like, absolutely terrible. They are constantly scared. Like, when Kim Jong-il died, if you didn't cry hard enough, you were fucking executed. Like, that's the kind of... If you watch a Hollywood movie, you can get fucking beheaded. That's fucking North Korea. And people make jokes wait, about Wait, wait, so wait. Did you hear about this guy that came back brain dead? Yep. From North uh, Korea? Did you hear about that? All right, so this guy got... This could just tie into what you said. Um, this guy came back from... Or he was over there. He was a journalist. From, he was an American journalist. And they had video footage of him stealing a poster off of a wall. Oh, I know. You're talking about the guy that went to, like, Korea prison for a while? Yeah, and they put him... Yeah, they sentenced him to... I don't know how long the sentence was. Two years or three years? hard labor. Yeah, hard labor. And he's been there for 14 months, and they just sent him back here, and he's a fucking vegetable. Yeah. Yeah. It's... It's... It makes me mad because I feel like if there's anything in the world... Like, it's fucking 2017, and that guy's straight up running a, like an old-school dictatorship and just killing his people mm-hmm. whenever the fuck he wants. And people get upset that we're involved, but it's like... Dude, we if, if this was happening in Europe, you would want we would be involved. Help. If this was happening anywhere else, it should we this should be like, you know... Everybody should want to just team up to end this with North Korea. Yeah, this because if you're a terrible, if you Put yourself in that predicament where you fucking have to worry about what you're saying and Constantly. any actions you're doing or you can just be killed on the spot and nobody can fuck like you're gonna walk around you got those people got fear in their hearts and that's not right that's in, so inhumane to be living like that now yeah. compared and to how we live I get yeah. it we're free and shit but you know like they have shit like if you escape your family pays your sentence so if like you do something wrong but they don't have you your family will pay for the whole entire sentence so to keep people there. That's wild. So if like you ran away, they're gonna fucking like I don't know if they kill your parents, but I think they like, take your whole family and they put them into a workforce or some shit until you come back. Shit. It's a, it's a fucking terrible place, and I hope to God that in my lifetime I can see North Korea and South Korea become Korea because you look at people from South Korea, you look at people from North Korea, and they're the exact same people. They're the same people, you know, and it's fucking sad. Fuck. <laughs> Well, my, like, half my blood's over there, man. You're proud to be American. Yep. And Korean. <laughs> my great-grandpa, man. Ho Young Hong. He's an ambassador of Korea. Yeah? Yes. Great-grandpa so, Ham? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, like, Google's name, dude. He's kind of... He's got uh, all his stuff is held like in like the University of Hawaii or some shit. That's he cool. came over here to flee from uh, when China or Japan went up in Korea and fucked them all up. Which a lot of people don't understand either. Japan fucked up all of fucking Asia. <laughs> and people want to say, like... There's so many people in fucking Japan. And, like, how how <laughs> fucking yeah. condensed it is. And the population. I always catch myself at work looking at, like, oh, top 20 most populated cities, top 10 worst cities in fucking the U.S. This, that, and the other thing. But between Japan and India is really bad, too. These cities, like, per... Jesus. That's crazy that it picks that up. Yeah, dude. These fucking... They're condenser mics for studio mics. They, they're, they're some good shit. It picks <laughs> up everything. So you're post, we're supposed to be in a soundproof room, but we're not. We will be one day. One day. <laughs> we're on, you're getting there. We'll get there. Um, so what are you good at, bro? <laughs> it's a talker, dude. He likes cars? Like to talk? I love cars. He likes cars. I, I play guitar a little bit. Um, Wait, guitars or cars? Both. 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 Oh, okay. I guess I'll yeah. let you answer. I don't have to answer for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm good at running my mouth. I've made a profession out of it. I'm in sales. Um, um, here we are. 
for the viewers that are listeners. I, I actually right, work you're with a bitch, Jake. bro. I'm sorry, dude. I'm stretching out. Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. That, uh, so Jacob and I, I don't know if we mentioned this yet. We actually work together. Yeah. We're on the same sales team, but I cover a different chunk of nothing in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I've been in sales for like four years. I love talking to people. You think uh, hitchhiking helped? Oh, yeah. I, I, I yeah. imagine it would. It's And I mean, it's something that I've always had, too. It's not like, I don't want to say I was born with a sales ability, but I've always been a really personable person. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's things like, I mean, when I was a kid, I would like six or seven years old, I'd go ride out on the bicycle. If I saw one of the neighbors home, mm. I'd pull in their driveway and just start talking to them. Mm. Hey, man, how you been? You know, what's going on? You paint your garage floor? Okay, I'm going to go see Todd now. And I'd ride over to Todd's house. And like, so that's something I've always had. Yeah. Um, anywhere I've ever lived, like I've always made it a point to get a small relationship with maybe it's the guy that I see every morning at the convenience store when I get my coffee. Hmm. Um, you know, maybe it's somebody at the McDonald's. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm a really personable person and I like to be in tune with what I'm around. So yeah. I think uh, I, I like talking. See, me, I'm... Obviously, I do the same thing, right? But, like, I, I'm not, I, I'm probably, like, I'm extroverted, but I really don't like going out of my way to meet new people. I like to just stay in my bubble and do things. But I think what helps me, at least in sales, is that I'm a genuine person, so I'm not, like, any bullshit. So when I, like, say things and I'm trying to help someone, like, I really mean it. Yeah. Whereas, obviously, we know salesmen that are fucking crooks, right? They're just, just trying to cash that shit. Yeah, lie through their fucking teeth. Yeah. But... I was in roofing. I know all about those salesmen. Yeah, I did roofing too. Yeah, so you already know. We can talk about that later. (laughs) Let's do it. Offline, yeah. Yeah. Are you shady, motherfucker? (laughs) (laughs) Nah, dude. I did it it right. I like doing roofing sales. Well, that's how I got to the top. I I can't fucking... The thing is, you know what the guy told me before I started doing roofing sales? He said, look, they always say nice guys finish last, but I'm going to tell you, nice guys finish first. If you just do the right thing... And I, I didn't really buy into it, and I saw him start doing it and treating people a certain way, and I've never changed my ways ever since, mm-hmm. and I've been pretty successful in sales. Yeah. Yep. Um, I always thought um, you can get you can get far being a crook, but you there's a limit to how far you can yeah, go. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. You can't. You can't achieve greatness being a crook. Right. You're gonna you're gonna you, you, can make, you, can, you can make that money, but eventually that shit's going to catch up to you because exactly. somebody's at some point is going to be looking up to you and you got to see what the fuck you're doing. And you're gonna get exposed at the end of the day. That's why relationships are so well, that, important. Well, that's <laughs> what that's, well, that's that why. Huh? <laughs> so we gotta no, talk that's, about that. Well, that's I mean, like, like relationships that's, just in general. <laughs> well, that's why he said he said if you tell the same person the same exact thing, you always stay to it. You don't have to fucking remember a goddamn thing you that's said right. to anybody because you're not lying about anything. You're not telling. Oh wait, what did I say to this person? What did I say to this person? Um, oh, I shouldn't have said that. So now I have to say this to cover it up. And once you do that with like ten or eleven people, in a hole. you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. So just be and honest. And you start burning bridges. Uh huh. But you got to think in the. Um, I fucking just remembered what I wanted to talk about. Because <laughs> it is about the people you meet and the interactions you run into day to day, and it kind of ties into sales too. But every interaction you have with someone is life changing. You never know what the fuck is gonna happen. Like for example, with me, me and you, right? We were in a, we signed up to go MSG, um, Marine Security. Marine security guard, wait, embassy duty, okay? Okay. And um, we were gonna go, we were going through the whole um, package of screening process, and um, the last minute, pretty much our battalion commander said, everybody who's signed up for MSG is getting scratched and we're no longer sending Marines. 
balls. Every single one of us. So, and, and you think, like, that just changed if we were to go to the MSG? Dude, and that's, what, that's the thing. Wait, real quick. Before, the thing was, they were rec- they needed people. This was right after, what, the Benghazi thing? So they yeah. helped. They've sent an order out. They're like, hey, we need MSG guys. We need fucking more guys at the embassy. So all of us are like, fuck it, yeah. Because yeah, our go. guy, our platoon sergeant was like telling us it was the greatest time of his life. So we're like, fuck yeah. So it seemed pretty convincing that we were going to get it if we signed up for yeah. it. We took the promotional pictures, everything. And then literally we they brought all of us into the gym. And they're just like, no, y'all are going to the fleet. Yeah, yeah Nobody's going MSG. Um because they said we weren't going to be suitable to the Marine Corps if we didn't go to the fleet in our first yeah, term, which made fair. sense. And honestly, I'm glad that happened because I got to go and I got to deploy and other shit fucking happened. But then again, who the fuck knows what my life would have been if I yeah. would have went out there. But, and, and that's the point I'm trying to get. It's like yeah. you meet someone and you have – I guess we didn't really meet anyone. Something happened. But – and now that I'm looking up at this, this is a bad example. No, because because who's it, who's no, to say? No, like, it's a good example because, dude, Colonel Cabinus could have, or whoever the sergeant major was at the time, could have just been like, you know what? Hey, that is a good idea. Maybe they just didn't feel a certain way that day. Like, mm-hmm. that's all it really comes down to. I've been waiting to ask for a raise at work, and I've seen my boss has been stressed out, and I'm just waiting. Tactful. And that's crazy, too, is that, like, it ties into the first thing I said about your own happiness. Yeah. You watch other people's happiness because if I'm happy, I'm willing to do a lot for other people. But yeah, you know, but so. the other people can affect your happiness, right? For sure. You know? Like, um, so and, Austin. But to go back to what you're saying, these interactions that I mean, they could change the direct trajectory of your life. Sorry. Yeah. Um, well, the, the one thing I wanted to bring up with that is somebody I still think about every day. Um, his name was Mike. He was a trucker. So, like I was telling you guys. Got down to Tacoma. The next day, I made it into Olympia, and then from there, I ended up in a little town at a truck stop in Tumwater, Washington. Uh-huh. And uh, I like got two hours of sleep the night before. I ended up in a bar in that night in Tacoma, and you just got wasted with you know the good yeah. strangers that were buying me drinks and hearing my story or whatever. So um, the next day, I ended up sitting at this truck stop waiting for a ride, like waiting to find somebody. And I was talking to this guy, Mike, um, you know, he was a truck driver. He's heading to Pennsylvania. And, you know, we talked all day and, you know, like he, he was, he was a wise old man, you know, mm-hmm. like we just shared a lot of moments, but it was at the very end of the evening, he'd went back out to his truck to get to sleep. And I was about to go stand back out by the freeway. And if you've ever been to the Northwest, that sucks. It is very hard to get motivated to go stand in this perpetual it's drizzle. It's cold. It's just got this like mist slash. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's like a constant fuzz. Yeah. It's nasty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, so he went out to his truck or whatever, and I knocked on the door or whatever. It's like, hey, man, I'm heading out. And he was already in the sleeper in the back, but I'll never forget. He tossed me a half a pack of Winston 100s and like kind of coughed a little bit and cleared his throat. He reached out to shake my hand and he said, don't ever stop, kid. Hmm. And that that moment was like so went from the day prior to this being you know the rock bottom the worst thing that you know I'd, I'd ever had to go through to that point um, you know day and a half of bullshit and here I am you know when he said that to me like my entire outlook did a 180 hmm. and it's like you know I'm gonna go kick ass I'm gonna go do something yeah. um, so two days later I was in California but it's those types of interactions. Yeah, that I mean, it's you. If you yeah. if you blink, you you don't see it exactly. You know, and for me, it's like Austin. Not obviously, you know, but he works with us too, and we were we were talking the other day, and it's like if he 
if he didn't get married or pretty much at all, if he didn't go to a certain party where he met Megan, I would not be doing what I'm doing today. My life would be completely different. I might not. I wouldn't be here. I don't think. Yeah, because I wouldn't have been working with Red Roof. I probably wouldn't be owning a house. I don't know. I might have still been in the Marine. Like everything changed because <laughs> of that moment. That it wasn't even me. It was him. Yeah. You know, it's his story. So it's like people have made crazy decisions in their life that you might not even know that <laughs> could affect your life in a month. Dude, it makes you think. I I really think that it's because of something more. I think that. Spiritually, I I think that we are all connected. We're all connected in some sort of way, and things will happen to you in your life when you need them to happen most in a way that you don't expect them to happen. Like, oh fuck! Like I'm fucked. I need money. I have nowhere to stay. Nobody could give you a goddamn dime, but your problem could get solved. Sometimes. So the sad thing, and sometimes it doesn't too. Sometimes you just. You're, well, no, it does. It does, though. No, sometimes you just die. Well, I mean, unless you die. But, yeah, you, know, but so, you sometimes die. it just ends. Like sometimes you just get fucked and <laughs> it's over. Well, if what are you, like, what are you referring to? Like maybe you're hitting rock bottom. Well, yeah, some people, some people, bottom. some people don't make it back. You're yeah. fucking right. Some people don't make it rock, back from rock bottom. But the people that do are the people that like I feel. I make a real interaction or I can make a connection with because I know what it's like or what it felt like to be in at my rock bottom. Um, and when I was there, I know exactly little things like somebody throwing you a half pack of cigarettes. You have, you know, you've, you had your, your portion of your, of your bottom and when you're there, whenever I'm at a down point now, and I stop feeling sorry for myself because that's the worst thing that I can do is at the bottom to start feeling sorry for myself. I'm like, I'll say it to myself out loud. I'll be like, look around. And I'll start looking around and I'll look at my environment where I actually, I physically am at in my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, is it that bad? Am I in my head? What can I do to make it better? And at that point, when I start interacting with that person, I'm not interacting with the person that you are speaking to now. Mm-hmm. Like they're, that subconscious is a real person to me. Yeah, And... I think that's why we have. I'm ta- it almost feels like I'm talking to somebody else, and when I do, it makes me think that there's something more, and that's something more that that subconscious, my subconscious, can connect with somebody else's yeah. subconscious, in a way that those two people may not be aware that it's happening. Well, it's it's now that I'm thinking about it, like me when I was in my rock bottom, and I think this we can go full circle about what we first started talking about. We can talk about what we've always talked about, which is self-reflection. And digging deep into your own self and like, you know, doing some soul searching. Because when I think about when I was in my rock bottom, what, what snapped me out of it was someone asking, how do you do that? How do you just drink every day and not do anything productive? And then I was like, oh shit. And then I took myself out of the situation and looked at it from another point of view. And I was like, I'm a fucking piece of shit. I'm a fucking turd. And it, it took that to where I had to look, like I look at myself as a different human being, not as who I was. I looked at, you know, I, t- I stepped away from who I was to, to view who I was. And that's what changed my clock. Like, that's what changed everything to, you know, switch my lifestyle around. And then to tie this all for a circle, you know, we talked about how much control do we have over our own happiness? And it's like, yes, I do think we are all connected in a way. Um, 
and things can happen within my life or within your life that might affect my life and might not and it, it could make my life great and make my life not so it's like in that aspect you think about it it's like mm, maybe I don't have that much control but I think really what it is is that you got to look at yourself from from with that look at yourself from outside yourself you know and when those opportunities arise you have to you have to see it so it's kind of like I guess it was it's looking it's like looking at yourself like a movie and you're watching your movie and you're saying okay well I'm the hero of my movie I'm the I'm the uh, the not the antagonist the uh, protagonist. protagonist yeah the, yeah that word and what 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 is he gonna do to make this movie a great movie what does he do you know and then you see what's happening around you and you're like okay well if he's a smart guy and he wants to achieve his goals He's going to seize the day, cut the fucking DM, and make the movie a hit, you know? But I think it's people who fail to look at themselves and only look at the world as the issue that have that issue, that have that, that can't find happiness. They, they want to blame every other factor besides themselves um, for their, whatever's wrong in their life. But I think, and that's that's actually what I was going to add to that was that the biggest part about it to me, anyways, is accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jesus not truck. not everything is always going to be your fault, but at the same time, nothing is ever going to be completely someone else's fault. Mm-hmm. You know, and the the moment that you step up, I mean, even when I started hearing that, telling my story, the uh, you know, I knew I'd made some mistakes, I made some poor choices, and I mean, yeah, it was a shit hand that I was dealt, but it was only complicated by the fact that I had made some you know, questionable moves back, yeah. you know, before it really got really bad. Mm-hmm. Because and without the warrants, I could have got on the plane and flown home and been mm-hmm. there, been back. Instead Are you I was glad? Gonna, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm so grateful. I mean, because it, it was it was a humbling experience to go through all that and then to actually have the stories on the other side of things to tell and the experiences. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, it, it changed, you know, how I look at it, everything. And it takes you know? courage. A good amount of courage to, like, because you could have been in your position and said, fuck everyone. They fucking kicked me out. Fuck the world. Fuck the government. They, they just did all this to me. This is all bullshit. But at one point, you're like, you know what? I'm going to take control of my life. Yep. I'm going to fix it. And I think there's a lot of people out there that don't have control of their lives. I think we all can be heroes of our own story. I think uh, something that drove me a lot when I was younger is I used to love watching underdog movies. My favorite. My younger, oh, yeah. my younger. I don't know if you guys seen the movie Rudy. Rudy. My younger brother's name is Rudy, and fucking, <laughs> yeah, it's a great. That's movie. where it came from. Though, but the underdog story has always been something of a fucking taboo to me. It's something I've obsessed over, and I feel like I've almost at times made bad decisions because I have comfortability. Like I've almost made wanted to make my life harder in some ways and I think sometimes I've made uh, taken a bad approach at making my life like there's way, there's certain positive ways like working harder or getting a harder job to make your life harder uh, versus um, you know consuming a bunch of alcohol or whatever the fucking case may be mm-hmm. um, to make your life harder or stop going to the gym um, and I think that what's so hard is when you start pushing yourself and you start pushing back on that resistance it does something to you internally humbling like you're like pushing back against a force almost and when you do that when you feel that i whenever i feel it at least 
I have to vote. I have to say things out loud. Like, like I see what's going on. Like my demons are trying to get me yeah. and push back you know, at you know me and bring called? me back down. You know what that's called? It's conviction. And I think that's a quick tell to know that you're on the right mindset and you're on the right path. Is that when you know you're doing something that you're not supposed to and you feel that conviction, and you're like, you feel it in your soul. It's like this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. I should be doing this. I need to be doing that. And you, that conviction is that tell that's like, hey, you want to be the hero of your story or not? And then you're like, okay, well, I can either ignore my convictions and just keep being a, a schlep <laughs> or I can fix the convictions and do what I'm supposed to be doing, which is hard though, especially in sales. Sales is a bitch like that because <laughs> you can always do more in sales and you have the conviction sometimes when you're like, maybe I should call more people. Maybe I should be knocking on more doors. You know, I go through that all the time oh, where yeah. I'm sitting in my that's office, like, like, Am I doing the right fucking that's thing? That's the accountability thing that yeah. you had brought up earlier. It's true, man. Responsibility for your own action goes a long way. And I think taking true responsibility is what it is. Not just saying, Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Saying, Well, this well, is going to happen again if I don't start doing this, like, right. sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Because fucking just because something bad happened to you once doesn't mean it can't happen again if we just want to start being assholes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's true, kind man. of real quiet, dude. I know. I know. It's, it's like, like the highway outside. It's like, it's like yeah. the roads. We're just actually. Everybody just no, no, we got about ten, about ten minutes. minutes. Yeah, ten minutes. You guys want to talk poop. about uh, poop? Poop. It's usually a go-to of mine. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> um, wow, we just that was we just talked about pretty good motivation right there. Motivation. It's um, good. That's why I tune into you guys. I gotta have you know. I except love listening to you guys. So when we start talking about jerking off and sucking around dicks, <laughs> some 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 <laughs> people are not uh, as happy about those conversations. I, I think I think that's I think we're we're starting to develop an identity. I think it's taken six months to get one. Yeah. Some sort, and I don't think we have a full identity yet. But I think me and him are starting. Well, we have. I think we have. A, we have a mission statement, right? Yeah. But um, I mean, who knows? Like, it's a, it's interesting because. Depending on who the guest is, we the conversation goes in different. Because, like, say you started talking about, I don't know, masturbating at a fucking truck stop or some shit. We're going to go down that road. It's talk about it, you know? Do you want to talk about it? Public masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I mean, if you want to. No. If you have a funny story. If you're going to make me laugh. Yeah, um, funny story. So the first time I did mushrooms, I was hitchhiking. Yeah. Oh was, shit. I, I don't that know if we get that out in ten minutes, but yeah, just brief yeah. rapid. You know, like just, uh, so real. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Corvallis, Oregon, got stranded by one greyhound. Told us we had X amount of time to get off and get a bite to eat, whatever, uh -huh. get back on the bus. And I'd actually gotten a little bit of cash at this point between the rides that I'd gotten and people. Like, I mean, I never asked for cash, and most of the time I try to say like, no, don't, I don't need money. But I had Kindness a little bit of cash. Of people's hearts. Yeah. Exactly. It's and crazy. the um, a lot of great people out there still, mm -hmm. which is good. So, so don't listen to the fucking media. Everybody. Exactly. There's fucking That's, good people in this world. Jesus. Get out there and talk to your neighbors instead of watching them on the news, and I think you'll find that we're not that divided. Yeah. I, but, yeah. I could That's a that different too. conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I agree. People are a lot nicer than people think they are. Just no one, everybody right. always thinks everybody's a mean, so no one talks to each other. So, Sorry. But no, no, you're fine. I was just debating if I want to get into that. I don't know who all is going to listen to this or who all knows that I've actually that this happened, but... Um, Dude, if it makes you feel any better, my mom listened to one of her episodes and she's like, I listened to your episode. I didn't know you did acid. So if, it, <laughs> if, if that gives you anything to go, any tell all with it, feel free. Fair uh, enough. I do remember you talking about that. Yeah. But 
Yes, Corvallis, Oregon, Jordan. stranded by the Greyhound um, because it was a bright idea of mine. I hadn't slept in like two days. I had that two hours of one night, and I'd made a buddy on the Greyhound bus, and his name was, well, I probably shouldn't name drop on here, yeah. but um, we'll, just call, we'll call him Matt. Matt? Okay. Yeah. Why do um, we use Matt's all the time? Hmm? Is, he, is he gay? Hey. No, he's a good guy. He was on his way to Reno. He what, apparently good guys got the can't shit be gay? beat out of him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I didn't. There it is. I'm just kidding. That's Matt. the podcast I know. <laughs> that's Racist, <laughs> sexist jokes. And that's my man. That's a, that's a media. I just saw a hole and I took it. Sorry. No, it's fine. No, it's, it's, it's a good play. The uh, Matt was heading back to Reno. He just got the shit beat out of him by his girlfriend, and I guess thrown out of her hotel. But like he had a black eye and like crooked nose and everything. From his girlfriend? Yeah. So means his just, girlfriend's a boyfriend. Yeah, she fucked him up. She might have been. I don't know. We, okay. we got a hinge on that. But so uh, you know, we get into Corvallis, and it's like, look, we could go to Burger King, or we could run down the street and get a shot and a beer. I haven't freaking slept in two days, so I'm not really trying to eat. Like you know that feeling when yeah, you've been yeah, up yeah. for too long. You just rather have substances, so, yeah, for sure. We run down the street to get the shot and beer, and we're trying to get back and we watched the Greyhound bus pull out and it's like fuck and then that northwestern rain starts again so my bad decision uh, you know clearly put us in another predicament so we got a six or a rolling rock from the convenience store across the street and we started walking down the road um, you know we had talked to the Greyhound guy and they're like so he was hitchhiking too well, he was now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, buddy. <laughs> Thanks for joining the club. Yeah, we. Uh, so in Corvallis, they don't make runs there as frequently. Like our next stop on that bus was Eugene, Oregon, but there mm. wasn't going to be another bus coming through Corvallis until like 1 p.m. the next day. Hmm. And I wasn't sleeping on a sidewalk again. Um, so we're trying to find a ride to get over Eugene to catch the next bus that was going to be there at 8.30 that night. And um, so like I said, we'd walk down the road. We ended up in some bar, and then that's a lot of my stories go and they, you know, read these hinging points at bars and bounce off of people. But we find a ride, and this guy's haggling with me, and he wants pretty much every bit of the cash that I got left mm-hmm. uh, to take us out to Eugene. It's 40 miles away, like maybe maybe an hour's drive. It's mostly freeway. And, you know, like we're going back and forth. It's like, man, you know, 20 bucks, dude. It covers your gas there and back. Like, you know we're kind of hurting right now and it's either sleep here you know somewhere outdoors you know or get get to eugene and catch the bus the next day he's like well i gotta have what i gotta have and this that and the other times are tough and look at him i was like i'm homeless motherfucker like so many yeah. times are tough yeah, yeah, yeah the um that's some audacity right there. <laughs> yeah. but so we get in the truck and uh he, he drove a forerunner and it's funny because he's a helicopter mechanic too so we we're talking about an aircraft for a minute too I'm, again, not going to blast this guy either because he's selling shrooms and he's wrenching on aircraft somewhere, but the, um... (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like my kind of guy. (laughs) So we jump in this Forerunner. We're riding. Like I said, it started raining again. There was, like, a Corvallis is, from what I remember, uh, relatively uh, not densely populated. Like, there's some fields and some pastures, and you know, so I'm bitching, like, just I'm in the back seat, like, dude, you know, I, I hope we make this bus. I hope I'm able to get on it and ride it to where it's supposed to go, and this, that, and the other. And, you know, you're, you're fucking me right now, and like, bitching, you know, for the first 10, 15 minutes of the drive. Finally, it's like, I'll tell you what, man, if it makes it any better, I'll give you a little bit of shrooms. Would that kind of like even this up a little bit? And it's like, I'm sitting in the back, like, I've never done them before. Like, sure. <laughs> tie it on, man. We'll figure this thing out. Like, so we did, and uh, he wasn't because he was driving. But I remember we ate him. We left his house, like, because we 
dropped by his apartment that was on the way, grabbed him, ate him, got back out on the road, jumped off the road to do donuts in somebody's pasture, then back on the road to haul ass to Eugene. Oh, it's great. It was just a fun time. Um, you know, because I had a pretty solid buzz sitting, you know, in the bar or whatever, looking for a yeah. ride. And then this happened. So it was like, it took about an hour for him to set him. So right when we're getting to Eugene, um, or yeah, Eugene is when I'm starting to feel like the precursor effects like uh, and I'm getting excited about it not knowing like 15 minutes from now is going to be one of the most harrowing moments of my life um, <laughs> we pull up to this Greyhound station I'm, I'm tripping my face off the uh, the buses pull in that are going through that and I got to explain to this guy that hey I got off a bus in Corvallis my ticket was on that bus they were supposed to pull my bags off at this stop my tickets inside no, I haven't been drinking. Um, I need to get on this bus, though. But this was the story I was, you know, I mean, it was the truth. Yeah. Like, I had a ticket. Um, but, yeah. So I had to explain to this guy, and it, it was a shit show. I mean, me, just that conversation going back and forth. Like, Matt was smart enough and had his ticket in his back pocket the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, I had left a backpack and just had, like, a, you know, it's all I had at the time. It's two changes of clothes and, mm-hmm. you know, odds and ends in there. But they had my ticket in the bag. Yeah. It was on the bus that, you know, left us there. This guy wasn't going to let me on the bus. I was like, listen, Val, I got a ticket. And here in about 20 seconds, I'm done talking to you. I'm going to go get on the bus. And you can call the cops. You can do whatever. But I got a ticket. And we could find out wherever the next stop is and verify there. But it's in here. I'm getting on the bus. Take care. And I walked off and I got on the bus. You know, I found Matt on the bus. I sit back down next to him. He's like, what did you say to him? I was like, I don't even remember, man, but I'm here. Like, let's get on the road. The guy gets on the bus behind me, and he's, like, looking around. He finally finds me, make eye contact. He just glares at me for a minute. I'm like, you son of a bitch. You know, we'll find out you don't have a ticket. Yeah. But, you know, this is the same guy that was arguing with me that my bag wasn't inside. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get to the next stop, or it was, like, the next, like, major layover that we had. And he gets off the bus. He's like, I need to talk to you for a minute. I was like, what's up, man? Like, at this point, like, I, I tripped on, you know, into the night on the ride. We got passed by some cops with their lights on, and it was crazy. Um, Where were you going from Eugene? We were south into Redding, I think, was the next stop, okay. North, North California. Oh, so it was a while. You drove right through Oregon? Well, that that is in Oregon. Oh, right, okay. Eugene, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I thought it was in Washington. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the... Um, my bad. <laughs> but no, so I slept it off. Like, uh, I fell asleep, and it was yeah. like 5 in the morning. We're pulling off, and he gets off, and I'm going to go out and have a cigarette. And he's like, I need to talk to you. He's like, hey, so I just read my driver memos, and yeah, you're right. Your bag and everything was inside at Eugene. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we're fucking 200 miles south now, pal. Like, what do, what do I do about it? He's like, you'll just have to figure that out when we get where we're going. So at the end of the day, if I don't get sued for defamation of character for saying this on your show, don't fucking ride Greyhound. Like, it, hitchhiking is easier than riding Greyhound. I'm, I'm serious as shit right now, but, yeah. I've only took a bus a few times to Pennsylvania, Philly. Yeah. A couple of buses to Philly. I fall asleep hung, drunk every time on the bus. <laughs> I'm usually overly hungover. All those times in the East Coast. Um, where are we at? Uh, we're done, bro. We're done? But I want, oh, you, to, but I want you to, um, did you, were, did you want to finish your story? No, because like, that'll take like another hour and a half. I would just have to that, that's, another, that's we'll just have to do another episode sometime. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll come back out. That, that's I'd a good to. thing. That that's a good thing. We're say, there's more to talk about. Well, yeah. any finishing remarks? Yeah, I want you to do something for us and for the fans. Um, so you face some adversity and you've been through certain situations. And if you 
could give somebody advice for a situation if they're at the bottom right now, things aren't looking good for them. If you could pick them up, what would you say to them? Yeah, I've actually thought about this. I've kind of had a response to this prepared. I was hoping you'd ask. So the one thing that I would, I can't give it to everybody, but for a specific group of people, I mean, the single dads out there, uh, if, if you're having issues, you know, baby mama drama, mm-hmm. everybody's got stories. Everybody's going with some shit. The only thing I want to say about that is, you know, my ex-wife and I, we have an amazing relationship. You know, the same goes for her husband. We're all really close. And I mean, at the end of the day, what it comes down to, because I mean, it was terrible a couple of years ago. It was horrible. And they'll tell you the same thing. Uh, we just weren't on, weren't on good terms. Um, approach every situation. So my advice is approach every situation. Um, make the child your priority. Stop letting all this extra bullshit, what happened on social media, who they're dating. What's it, is it for the good of the child? Does mm-hmm. it... You know what? What does it really come down to? And a lot of times, that's finances too. Yeah. Um, you know, my ex-wife will tell you, I give you way more than what I'm required to for child support because it, it helps out my kid. Like if that that's that's my legacy, and this woman that's raising him, she is the co-founder of my legacy, and I, I want every single dad out there to take that initiative to look at this in that mm-hmm. aspect because there's too many kids out there that are growing up without one of the two parties and that's what's leading to a lot of the decay of what we have in this country right now so step up be accountable fucking love her man love him that's the Mm. co-founder of your legacy and you got to leave a legacy that's awesome bro that's some that's a some impactful shit because growing up without uh i mean if you don't have love when you're growing up that that sad (laughs) it's sad It's very sad. Um, well, it was good, man. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you all for having me. This yeah. was a blast, man. It's yeah, therapeutic. Man. You're right. Like I listen yeah. to you guys yeah. talk about how it's yeah, dude. It really does help me every fucking weekend. It's, oh, it's exciting. Last weekend we didn't do the podcast, and I was like, ooh, this doesn't feel right. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, dude, he's been fucking an asshole all week now. So now he's gonna start being nice again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. <laughs> that was episode 24 of Life As We Know, a podcast with our homeboy, Jacob Irvin, not Irvine, Irvin. And thanks again, Jacob, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate all the information you brought to us. Everybody, right now, do it or don't. But subscribe, share, like, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, iTunes, do all that stuff. Help us out. Help us out. That's all. And if you don't want to do it, then don't do it. But I'm just asking, as a friend, because if you made it this far into the episode, which most people don't, because I look, that means we're in a special place, just you and me. We're here together. And if you could just click that subscribe button.